You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is here with me today. And this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. We've been lied to, and it's killing us. Kim and I are here to help you understand what really works and how to take control of your own health. We'll take calls and answer questions about fitness, supplements, diet, lifestyle, training, nutrition, disease, prescription drugs, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Today is uh, kind of a special episode. We're going to be talking all about blood sugar control, and we're also going to be talking specifically for drivers how to get your blood sugar under control for a DOT physical, even if you need to do it pretty quickly. So, Kim, welcome back. Glad to be here, Kevin. Love Wednesday. Yeah, I have a ton of stuff today, but before we even get to that, yesterday was an interesting day for me. I was doing a lot of research, um, putting together the the blood sugar control protocols we're going to talk about today. I've been working on this for a while, but I had to sit down yesterday and kind of put it all together. And when I when I'm really doing a lot of research, I tend to post a lot on Facebook, and and I'm mm-hmm. in and out of Facebook. I might not be there for two weeks, and then I'll be there for ten hours straight. And yesterday was one of those days Um, in between researching and putting together the protocols as I was coming across things, I would post them. And there was just an interesting pattern. So I it was I was kind of blown away by some of the responses. And then I just had to think back to 10 years ago. I got the same kind of response when I talked about slowing down for fuel economy, wide single tires, six by twos. I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the things that people just literally attacked me over. And you know what? All you have to do now is look at the history. Every one of those things we talked about, it's now considered just kind of general mainstream advice when it comes to fuel economy. I mean, nobody's really arguing any of those things, but they were 10 years ago. And yesterday was kind of like that. The, I, I posted an article about raw milk. But the interesting thing was the article that I posted was about a recall of pasteurized milk because it was contaminated and making people sick. And this happens all the time. It's really common. And it's not just milk. It's spinach and mm-hmm. eggs. And we could go through yeah. all kinds of food recalls that happen all the time. They kill people. I mean, this is pretty serious stuff. And that was the article that I posted. But my comments were all about raw milk. And I was just blasted by people saying, oh, raw milk is dangerous. You never know. It'll, I mean, they went on and on. And I was like, wait a minute. Did everybody miss the point here? This article isn't about raw milk. The recall was just regular factory pasteurized milk. 
I said, go look at the numbers and the statistics are insane. You're 35,000 times more likely to be contaminated by standard everyday food than you are by raw milk. 35,000 times more likely. And yet people were attacking me over raw milk. And I thought that's just, have we become so brainwashed that we are afraid of a food that we ate for tens of thousands of years? And people all over the world still do it. This isn't, I mean, I don't even think of raw milk as being radical. And talk to anybody who grew up on a farm and they certainly don't think it's radical and it's making a comeback now, but it's actually illegal in many states. But I, I just thought, wow, how how bad has it gotten that we're talking about pasteurized milk being recalled because it's making people sick and yet people are attacking me over the fact that I recommend if you're going to drink milk at all, drink raw milk. So then I posted and I knew this one was going to cause pride. I didn't expect the, the feedback I got on the raw milk. So I posted another one because I knew I, what kind of pushback I would get on this. And it was about mammograms and mm-hmm. medical screening. And I have very, very strong opinions about medical screening. And I've, I haven't really done a show on it. And the reason I haven't, it would be a long show. This is a much, mm-hmm. much more complicated issue than we believe. But we have been marketed to so heavily that people are so emotionally attached to this issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. I was, and again, I knew what to expect because I've, I've approached this before. But people think, Oh, so what? Even if it isn't all that effective, which it's really not, even if it's not effective, what's the harm? You know, so I go and get screened. Big deal. What's the harm? The harm is unbelievable. And that's the complicated part. And I I think I am going to do a show about this someday, but I really need to spend some time preparing. But just one statistic. And, And this isn't disputed. These numbers are available. And, and they're not from the fringe. This is, I mean, the CDC will even put out numbers like this. You have to screen 2,000 women for 10 years with mammograms to, to prevent one death. And people will say, yeah, but you prevented a death. So some people had to go get screening. Big deal. That's not the whole story. The whole story is during that 10 years and screening those 2,000 women, Almost 50% at some point during that 10-year period will get a false positive. Now, the minute you get the false positive, what starts happening? Anxiety, stress, fear. We know those things are all bad for you. And now you've got to go to further screenings. So you show up as a positive. You don't know it's a false positive. It's a positive. And a lot of women are going to get that positive diagnosis. Now they either have to go for more intensive mammograms or even worse, biopsies, which are common. Biopsies are painful and can be dangerous. And sometimes the biopsies aren't clear. And we have created this huge environment of fear around this. So people are so afraid of cancer that they are willing to do almost anything because they think it's going to help. 
But if you dig even further into the statistics, you find out that even when screening finds real cancer, the reason it doesn't prevent many deaths is because our treatment isn't that great. Mm -hmm. In fact, the treatment is killing people most of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not nearly as sim simple as people have been brainwashed by all this marketing to believe. Oh, it's harmless. Go get screening. Why wouldn't you? You Don't you want to know? Honestly, no, I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. And I want to be very clear about the difference when we use the word screening. Screening is very specific. It means that we are looking for a disease when no symptoms are present, meaning I feel fine. There is nothing wrong with me. I have no symptoms. I haven't found a lump. That's a totally different thing. If mm -hmm. you're doing self-exams and you find a lump, absolutely go get it diagnosed. No question. But that's not what screenings are. Screenings are, you have no symptoms whatsoever, no signs, no indication of any disease, but we're going to start looking. And if you believe in screenings, I guess you should do them all. We should screen for brain cancer and pancreatic cancer and lung cancer and liver cancer and lymph node cancer. And, you know, I could go on and on and on and on prostate cancer. And, and there are other screenings. We could, if you believe in them, why don't you do them all? If you did, it would be a very sad day. I, I have a feeling if you screen for everything, you'd be dead within a couple of years. The medical community would kill you. I think it's that bad. But yet we've yeah. been led to believe through fear. Crazy if you don't go do this. And my God, if you tell people that you think it's a bad idea, mm -hmm. unbelievable the backlash I got on that one. So I, I mm -hmm. thought that was kind of um, so I did the, uh, the milk, the mammogram, oh, flu vaccine. I also posted mm -hmm. about flu vaccine. Oh boy. Um, again, we've been marketed to, and here's the thing we have to remember. Marketing is where most people get most of their information. They're not reading books. Mm -hmm. They're not attending. They're not going to continuing education. So most of the information they get comes through some sort of marketing channel. And the thing we have to remember is marketing is outrageously expensive. I certainly can't afford to go do a national TV campaign telling people not to get a flu vaccine, even though that's what I believe. But there are certainly a lot of groups pouring a lot of money into telling us we should get it. We have to remember where the message about health for our entire life has come from. It's come from marketing. And it's worked because people are brainwashed. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rowley. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me today, and uh, we are going to get to blood sugar control, but I, I, I really want to cover this topic because I'm finding that people are really, really resistant. And Kim, here's the thing. I don't expect that just because I post something, they should believe me and change what they do. All I'm really getting at is that we need to be a little more open-minded about possibly looking at other ways of being healthy. And we have to realize we have been heavily marketed to for decades. In fact, you and I are about the same age our whole life. We've been marketed to, and most of what we've been told is just really not the best advice. So after those three and getting, you know, now, I, I will also say that the majority of the feedback that I got was very positive. And I'm, right now I'm focusing on the negative feedback because that's what I want to address. I want to, people to just open up their mind a little bit. Go do some research. Go, and I recommended books. There is an excellent book on medical screening, and I posted it on Facebook. Um, it's called Overdiagnosis. Um, Great, great book. I, I would love for people who disagree to listen to the book. It's available on audio and then call me and discuss it because the people who want to discuss it now have zero information and they are arguing on pure emotion. And this is a very emotional issue. And the book even covers that. It covers why people are so emotional about this. So I would love to just have people because, again, it's a long book. There's a ton of information in there. If I tried to cover it in a show, it would take me a very long time. Um, but I'd love to people listen to it and then let's discuss it. And, and mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from somebody who reads the book and still disagrees. Because at least then they'd have some facts. Right now it's just pure emotion. So after getting you know the backlash on those three articles, I posted a video from the American Diabetic Association. Oh, yeah. Now, this is the group that is giving us advice about type 2 diabetes, which all we have to do is look around. There is an explosion. I mean, an epidemic doesn't even cover it. It's a pandemic of type 2 diabetes in this country and now the world. So obviously, the, the advice they've been giving us for the last several decades isn't working. And here's why there was there's a challenge, I don't know, to come up with recipes or something and for the American Diabetic Association. So they posted this video of a recipe. I did the calculations, the recipe that they posted recommending it as a good diabetic treat had two hundred and sixty six grams of carbohydrates of sugar because all carbohydrates are sugar, two hundred and sixty six grams of sugar in this recipe. Now, if, if people aren't used to counting carbohydrates, I keep mine normally under 60 grams for the whole day. For a diabetic, I recommend under 20 grams for the whole day. Now, I, I don't, this recipe obviously made more than one serving, but a, a, a diabetic shouldn't even eat a tablespoon of this. Mm -hmm. that, that's insane. Not only is it, a week's worth of carbohydrates, there's virtually zero nutritional value. There was nothing in this that had any nutritional value whatsoever. It was basically rice, milk, and people are gonna use pasteurized 
homogenized milk, which is virtually, you know, no nutrition, and sweetened condensed milk and sugar. Mm. That that and they put in a little cinnamon. Oh, I'm sorry. The cinnamon does have nutritional value. I love cinnamon, by the way. It's great for you. There was a little bit. What? In fact, <laughs> it's insane to think of a recipe for the diabetic association even having the word sugar in the recipe or sweetened condensed milk. Um, now, yeah, yeah. not to mention the other stuff. You know, people don't realize about how much sugar is in milk and so forth, but and the carbs. Good lord. Yeah, it's got milk, which is naturally sweet. Mm-hmm. It has sweetened mm-hmm. condensed milk, which is incredibly sweet. And they still added some plain white table sugar to it. I, I am, and, and here's the <laughs> thing: why aren't people outraged over that? Yeah. Why aren't they outraged over that our food supply is contaminated many times? Not, not the raw, local, natural food supply. Our everyday food supply. It, it just, we have been really, really brainwashed. Yeah, and that's why I'm so glad we bring the topic to the show because, you know, I know you brought up screenings a while ago, you know, and first time people, you know, um, first time they hear it, you know, yeah, the, the uh, red flags go up, the, the shields go up, you know, because we feel like, you know, that's what we're doing to be proactive to take care of our health is to get screened. Um, and I know every single person and every single family has different scenarios out there that they will come back and argue both in both sides um, too, like some that have um, bad results. But what I like that you have brought to about this is to step back. Um, it's the same as with Dave Ramsey talking about buyer beware, you know, how we're marketed to. So step back and question and don't let mainstream society, mainstream big companies, tell you what you should do. Um, I, you know, what mammogram was the one that I even at first would be like, really, I shouldn't do that, you know, but then you stop and think, you know, what questions did you go into the doctor with and say, okay, what if it comes back bad? Then what's next? Then what, then what, then what? Or, you know, so you can make an educated um, decision. I mean, I had a bad mammogram one time and it was just a poor, um, a poor film. They took the, the photo wrong. And what that did for me for that next week was, was terrible. Um, and, you know, and we've talked before about, I think somebody, and I did briefly get in and read some of the comments because um, I didn't know that all that was going on. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, somebody asked about prenatal screenings. I mean, that's another one. Be careful. Be careful because, you know, um, my oldest daughter's 31. They didn't do any screenings necessarily. Besides, like, I think the sugar and that, but they didn't do ultrasounds. As long as you were your baby, the baby was growing right. They didn't feel you needed to do anything past the doctor's office. And then slowly, you know, I'm talking. I have kids from 31 to 12. In that span of time, the number of tests they offer you was oh my gosh. I mean, it just went crazy. So you think you think you need to do that because you're protecting your baby. You want the healthiest baby possible. Um, but at the same time, I learned firsthand with a test that was real popular that came out, alpha fetal protein that t- tested for Down syndrome and spinal bifida. And if you're in a range, you're going to genetic counseling and you got to decide whether to have an amniocentesis that could cause a miscarriage or, you know, what if you do find out it's down? I mean, it's just, you, well, you just have to. Uh, when, when Michael was born, um, 
I went through that whole thing and his came back in the range and I elected to do the amniocentesis. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, no, I was young. I, I believed like everybody mm-hmm. else did telling me to do mm-hmm. this. We should do. This. And then later on, when I got thinking about it, I thought it was wrong in so many ways, because honestly, I, I, I would have had the baby anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. right, I, I right. Anything. But yeah, just listen to what they say. We've been brainwashed. And now I look back and think, oh, my God, why did I do that? You know, it, but we're, we're just so used to being told what to do by the medical community and just blindly leaving that if they said it, we should do it. And I look mm-hmm. back now and think, oh, unbelievable. And there's so many things we could get into on this. And, and somebody made the comment that, because I, cho- I, I talked about all medical screenings. I even put the word all in caps. Screen- but I'm, I'm talking about screenings specifically, mm-hmm. very specifically looking for a disease when there's no symptoms. And they said, well, you used mammograms, which are the worst of the bunch. They do have problems. Well, first of all, most people don't believe that there's any problems with mammograms. And second of all, it's not the worst of the bunch, not even close. In fact, if I had to pick the worst screening, it's men and it's prostate because mm-hmm. we use a number PSA that has been proven to have almost no correlation to cancer. It's not a good indicator at all, but it's the only thing we have. So they push it and they use it. And if you come back with elevated PSA, they need to do a biopsy. There's a huge problem with the biopsy in the prostate. We have no idea where on the prostate the problem could be. When you're doing a biopsy, you're looking for the the growth, the cancerous tumor. Well, on a mammogram, you can at least see where it is so they know where to biopsy. On the prostate, you can't. We can't see it. But we believe, oh, the PSA is high. There could be a tumor. They stick a needle in your prostate 12 times to try to hit all the areas hoping they might find the tumor that they don't even really know if there is one or not. Now, they could miss it. There could be one and you could go through all of this and miss the tumor that is there. Or they could find something. But this is a really, I don't want to say really dangerous, but all medical procedures are dangerous. Who the hell wants a needle? poked into their prostate 12 times, but it gets even worse. Stick around. Be right back. I'm Kevin Robinson. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we're we're going to talk about some blood sugar control on, on this show, and we'll carry it into the next show. But um, 
I, I just want to address this attitude first because people need to be open to understanding that there's a lot more out there than what we're being told and what we're being marketed to. So real quick to finish up the prostate. So they could miss with this 12 needle biopsy or they could find something. And actually the odds are pretty high. They've shown that after a certain age, if it might have been 70, 75, that when they autopsy men that lived at least that long, that virtually every one of them died with prostate cancer, but not because of prostate cancer. Most prostate cancer is so slow growing that it will never cause a problem. But that's what we're looking for. And when we find it, what do you think that does to somebody's emotions? Yeah, right. And the other thing is, if it's not a slow growing tumor, prostate tends to be very, very fast growing. It's one of the two. And the other thing they've shown is all the screening in the world. If you have the fast growing type, too bad. You're going to die. I mean, there's not much they can do for you. So the screening starts to look a lot less effective, and it's not in any way harmless. I think that's the attitude that people have got to, to get over mm -hmm. is screening are not harmless, not even close. So that's my rant for the, for the day. Um, yeah, can you share that book again, Kevin? I think that's where it starts, people just to step back and just get educated, and that sounds like a really good book. Yeah, let me uh, let me get the full title and the author on that. Okay. Uh, it is Overdiagnosed, Making People Sick in the Pursuit of Health, and it's written by a doctor, um, Dr. H. Gilbert Welch. And Kim, I'm sure you can get a uh, an audible link up on Destination Health. Yeah, um, yeah. Leave it to the top. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's where to start for people too, if they're skeptical to to go go learn and, and arm yourself before you go to the doctor, because you're going to be presented with all different kinds of tests. You know, even in the very near future. So. Yes. Yeah, and there is a huge industry, an industry that pushes medical screening because they make a ton of money doing it. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and they look, they have a great marketing program. They're kind of like drug dealers. Um, they give you the first little taste free. So you see all kinds of free screenings all over the place. People are like, oh, wow, how wonderful. All I have to do is stop. It doesn't even cost me anything. How, how could this be bad? It, it's free. And I'm going to find out whether I have a disease or cancer. Mm-hmm. That's how they suck you in. The first ones are free because they get lots of people in. And then you look at the numbers of how many people need another screening after that. And after the first one, nothing is free. They make a ton of money off of this. Um, and I'm a capitalist. I'm certainly not against making money, but I, I'm also a firm believer in you better be a very educated consumer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on to diabetes, blood sugar control. Big, big issue for drivers, becoming bigger all the time. Now, um, 
certainly people could be recording this, taking notes. I would recommend that. But we are putting out um, this afternoon a couple page document that will outline all of the things we're going to talk about um, on the next two shows because it's going to be a two show thing. Um, we'll also get to a lot of questions. Um, so in the document, I even give the guidelines from the DOT. What will happen on a DOT physical, whether you are already um, diabetic, whether you're pre-diabetic, I give, you know, what's going to happen if you show up at a DOT physical and you're not prepared? You People are losing their CDL over this. They are getting stuck with, instead of a two-year medical card, a three-month medical card. So... This is a really important issue for drivers. The first thing I want to say is I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe that everybody listening, listening to me, whether you're a driver or not, but clearly if you're a driver, should have their own blood glucose meter and they should be checking their own blood sugar. The problem with our, even though we do have lots of screenings, and they've lowered the threshold. You could have diabetes or pre-diabetes for years, probably not full-blown diabetes, but you could have pre-diabetes for years and never know it. There aren't any real symptoms. There are some, but most people just confuse them for other things. So I think the important thing here, instead of expensive medical screening, is buy a $35 blood glucose meter and check your own blood sugar. Now, somebody even commented that that's medical screening and I should be against that. Come on. You know, there was one comment in there. Some woman was doing a breast self-exam and found a lump. And, and she said she had had multiple mammograms that never found it. So, well, she found it. Well, somebody made the comment, oh, but that's medical screening and Kevin's against all of that. Can't we put a little logic in this conversation? I'm certainly not against people checking their own health. In fact, I highly encourage you to check your own health. I just want people to be careful before they go through screenings that are just making a lot of money for other companies, causing a lot of problems. But I think people should have their own blood pressure cuff. Check your own blood pressure. I think you should have a blood glucose meter. Check your own blood glucose. I think a good food sensitivity test isn't a bad thing to do. There are certainly some tests that I like, and I'm not against the medical community. I'm just against where it has led us and the fact that we have given over virtually all of the control. We just believe everything they tell us. So first thing, get a blood glucose meter. Start checking your own blood sugar really important because you're not going to know you have a problem until it's too late. And if you show up for a DOT physical and they find it, you're going to have some issues. Um, so in this document, we're going to put this out. We'll put it up on Destination Health. If you can't find it, Kim, you'll have it. You could email people if they call or mm -hmm. you know, send email to support at letstruck.com. I go through some of the um, the DOT requirements. I even put a link in there so you can go find the blood glucose meter I recommend. We don't sell it, so we don't make any money off this. Um, I think it's $35 or $40 on Amazon. And the reason I recommend this one 
is because if you buy just this one meter, you could then test for blood glucose and blood ketones. If you wanted to, you could then buy the different strips and test blood ketones with the same meter. That's why I use this one, because I can test for both, so it's kind of nice. Then what we move on to is, in order to follow the protocols we're going to recommend, they're really, really similar. There's two different protocols. They're almost identical, but there's one supplement that's different, and it's pretty important. So what you need to determine, and I'm gonna help people with this today, is whether you are hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic. The two words look almost identical. You've gotta really pay attention to which one you're reading, but they're different stages of the disease. Here's what normally happens. When you start losing some blood sugar control, and let's go back even one more step and, and get real basic. Um, Kim, what causes high blood sugar? I just say sugar. Yes. Wow. That's pretty easy. That's <laughs> it. That's it. That's the only thing that causes type 2 diabetes. That's it. Too much sugar in yeah. your diet. What people don't realize is what sugar really is. Right. It's obvious white table sugar we know. We know that sodas and candy and, and sweet things are loaded with sugar. We know that. People, you know, try to avoid those things. What, they, what many people don't realize is starch of all kinds is sugar carbohydrates and, and especially starchy carbohydrates are sugar. They just haven't been broken down to sugar yet, but that's exactly what happens to them the minute you put them in your mouth. You, in fact, I've told people, if you wanna try this one time, take a piece of bread, white bread, or any bread actually, and put it in your mouth and just keep chewing and chewing and chewing. It will eventually turn sweet in your mouth because we have enzymes in our mouth that start breaking down carbohydrates immediately and converting them to simple sugar. So to your body, it's all the same. So we're gonna come back and talk about that and a whole lot more, don't go away. Kevin Robinson. Well, I can't believe it, Kim. We're uh, getting ready to start the fourth segment. We will probably not get to any calls in this one, but hang on, everybody, because we'll come back in the next show, cover a few things, and then get right to all of your calls and questions. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're talking about blood sugar control. So, uh, Kim, to pick up, um, I, I was talking about hypoglycemic and hyperglycemic, and it's just it's along the spectrum. And then I stepped back and said, let's talk about what causes this. And it's always diet. This is diet. Your mm -hmm. body can only handle so much sugar or starch or carbohydrates. And our standard American diet is just 
outrageously high in carbohydrates and it has been for decades. And this is what's causing this problem now. So I, I read a really interesting article by um, Dr. Jason Fung. Have you read any of his stuff? Is he a doctor, by I the way? Not. I have not. I said doctor. I'm not sure if he is. I'll have to go look that up. Um, Jason Fung does a ton of stuff on diabetes and a lot of really, really good information on fasting. But he wrote probably, I would say, the best article I have ever read on um, diabetes because, uh, oh, Michael um, Bridget just informed me that, yes, he is a doctor. Thank you. Um, because he, he turns it around. Even I just said, yeah, diabetes, the problem with diabetes is too much uh, sugar in your blood. He takes a whole different approach to it. He says it's not the sugar in your blood that's the problem. We can control the sugar in your blood. We do it all the time. The problem, all the damage comes from the insulin, not, the, not necessarily the sugar. Because the whole time until you become pre-diabetic, no matter how bad your diet is, you eat the sugar and the insulin moves it out of the bloodstream. If it's not in the bloodstream, it's not really causing a problem. But yet, damage is being done over and over and over, and it's not the sugar doing it. It's the insulin. Insulin is an incredibly powerful hormone, and every time we eat sugar and the body has to release the insulin, it works. It moves it into the cell where it's not doing any damage, um, but it's the insulin causing all the problems. So... It, it's just this little twist on the way we think about it, but it makes a huge difference because his point is no matter how well you control your blood sugar, no matter how many drugs they come up with, your body is going to be damaged over and over and over by the high levels of insulin. I, I just thought that was like a, a breakthrough in the way we think about this disease. Yeah, and I think that was that was that the article you shared with me, Kevin, too, that made um, us, it, it was that aha with how you said, like, how we looked at type 2, because type 2 is just, um, it's one of the most common ones we hear anymore. Um, my dad was a driver and dealt with it, too, but he also knew if he ate something, exactly how much insulin he'd have to take. I mean, it was a game, kind of, and you don't, you think it's that sugar causing it, but yet you're inject, you know, uh, injecting the exact thing that's actually fighting your body then. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, that was like an aha moment for me. It, it you know, I think very differently about this. Um, so it, it's a diet. It's too much sugar, too many carbohydrates. Um, just to give some guidelines, you know, it, for, for people who are in either one of these cases, hypoglycemic, hyperglycemic, I'm going to talk in a little bit about how to know the difference. The answer is virtually identical. There's one little difference here, but the answer is you've got to stop eating those foods. You, and, and you have to go to what most people consider the extreme. And you're going to have to do that extreme, I believe, until you get blood sugar control back again. So he, here was a good example. You know, we can keep giving insulin. Once your body runs out of the ability to produce enough insulin to cover all the carbohydrates you're eating and your cells become resistant to the insulin, they don't respond to it anymore, then the medical community's answer is 
well, just keep eating what you're eating. We'll give you more insulin mm -hmm. in the form of a drug, which is what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. That is the same as saying, oh, don't worry if you are a heroin addict and your body isn't responding to the heroin very well anymore. We'll just give you more. That, that's, that's the medical community solution. Your body has become resistant to the drug. We'll just keep giving you more of it. And it's the drug that's doing all the damage. Whether your body produces the insulin or you add it, which is even worse, it's the insulin causing the problems. Our body is not designed to have that much insulin in our system. So I, I just thought that was like, wow, yeah, here, here we have mm -hmm. this problem, drug causing the problem, and our only answer is just keep giving more. So if you're in that position, you've got to go to a very, very low carbohydrate diet. And for some people, it is going to be extreme. And it's not necessarily a healthy long-term diet. But I think you've done the damage. We have to fix the damage first. And in order to fix the damage, you may have to use what what um, we would refer to as either a therapeutic or a functional diet. And you use it the way the medical community wants to use drugs. See, we don't seem to think that taking all these drugs is extreme. But tell somebody to eat less than 20 grams of carbohydrates a day and people go nuts. Right, right. That is so uh, ironic. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, I, I just saw a post. It's a challenge. Somebody's been through three or four different diabetic medications. They come up with a new one every week. It seems like you can watch the commercials. And they were so happy because they found one that only gives them about mm -hmm. half as many side effects as the one they were taking. Mm -hmm. But if I mention that maybe you should eat less than 20 grams of carbohydrates a day, people go nuts. And I'm not saying you should do it the rest of your life. I, you use a therapeutic diet to solve a problem. And if you keep your carbohydrates low enough, long enough, just like getting off of a drug and not taking it anymore, your body will rebuild its sensitivity mm -hmm. to that drug. And we want your body to be sensitive to insulin. We don't want you to be resistant to insulin. So you need to stay on the therapeutic diet very, very low carb long enough to build that resistance back up, or not resistance, sensitivity to insulin. Then you can start adding good carbohydrates back to your diet so that we can eat the vegetables again and maybe the sweet potatoes and maybe some fruit. But it really depends on how much damage you've done. The, the good news is we can turn this around pretty quickly mm -hmm. with a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. I don't know how long it's going to take some people to repair the damage. And, and maybe somebody might have to stay on the diet that way the rest of their life. It just depends. But you would still be far, far healthier. Even if you have to give up some of the vegetables, we can replace the things that are in the vegetables. We can replace the fiber with other foods that aren't so, quite so glycemic. We can replace the nutrients that are in there with organ meats or if we had to supplements. So 
you know, we're, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but we're going to carry this into the next show and really get down to the protocol. And I think I have enough time to cover the difference between hypo and hyperglycemic. You will more than likely become hypoglycemic before you become hyperglycemic or diabetic. Hyperglycemic is basically diabetes. It means you're chronically elevated in blood sugar. The interesting thing is hypoglycemic is the opposite. You're having problems with low blood sugar. And people worry about low blood sugar because it can kill you. And somebody actually made this comment on Facebook. They said, oh, I don't worry about high blood sugar. It's not causing me any problems. I worry about low blood sugar. It could kill me. That's one way to look at it. I would look at it a very different way. Low blood mm -hmm. sugar is obvious. The minute you go into low blood sugar, you're going to know it. There are symptoms, and we'll go through the symptoms, but you know it, and you can correct it. Pretty simple to correct, and you have immediate feedback. High blood sugar, there are people that are, are chronically elevated in the two and 300 range and don't even know it. There's no symptoms, and yet that's what does all the damage because when your blood sugar is that high, it means your body is flooded with insulin, and it's not working. So hypo is dangerous in the short term because if you don't correct it, yes, you could die, but it's easy to correct and you know it's there. You should be far more worried about hyper, about high blood sugar because there are no symptoms and it's what causes all the damage. The reason we get low blood sugar first is because our bodies, we've been eating all this sugar, all these carbohydrates, and our body has to release insulin to, to move that sugar into the cells. And at some point, it becomes overwhelmed and it keeps cranking up the insulin levels to try to solve this problem. And it starts overcompensating. It starts releasing too much insulin and it drops your blood sugar too low. So if you are suffering symptoms of low blood sugar, the odds are you're pre-diabetic. And, and that, that confuses a lot of people. They think, oh, no, diabetes is high blood sugar. I have low. This is the precursor to becoming diabetic because your insulin system is overactive trying to, to take care of all the sugar that's in your diet. So we are, uh, we are going to continue in the next show. So we'll see you then. Thanks for joining me today. Be safe and be profitable. Fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Robinson. Your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. And this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. We've been lied to, we've been marketed to, and we are confused, and it's killing us. And Kim and I are here to help clear away the confusion and help you 
take control of your own health. You need to become an educated consumer when it comes to your own health. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about fitness, health, nutrition, diet, lifestyle, stress, training, weightlifting, supplements, disease, prescription drugs, you name it, we'll talk about it. And we're gonna get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. And I love this topic, Kevin, because it does affect so many people. It, uh, it infects a, uh, affects a lot of, or infects, um, the Freudians yeah. there might not be too far off, um, affects a lot of people. And when you look at the statistics for the trucking industry, it is atrocious. Uh, type 2 diabetes is rampant in the general population, but it is uh, at pandemic levels in the driver population. And it's getting worse and worse every day. So we are uh, tackling the issue of blood sugar control. And our previous show, if you missed it, you can find it on our uh, Destination Health page on Audio Road. Um, I, I talked about a lot of things in the last show, and we're going to continue on with that today. We we ended where I was kind of in the middle of there's two different places you might be along the spectrum of blood sugar control, and 99% of what we're going to recommend today, we're, we're going to talk today about what's referred to as a protocol, a medical protocol or a nutritional mm -hmm. protocol, and that just means it's, it's kind of a list of instructions. Do this, then do this, then do this. And it, it's pretty clear. We're going to spell this out. But before we can get to the two different protocols, you need to determine whether you're hypoglycemic more often or hyperglycemic more often. And the protocols are about 99% the same. There's one supplement we switch out depending on whether you're hyper or hypo. And you could be a little of both. In fact, most people are probably going to be. So I, I was talking about hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, but it occurs because you ate a big meal with a lot of carbohydrates and your body freaks out and says, oh my God, look at all the sugar in the blood. And it releases this huge dose of insulin. And insulin is actually what we know now is causing most of the problems. It's a very powerful hormone that lowers your blood sugar, but your body will start to overcompensate after decades of eating this way, and it will drop your blood sugar so low that you get symptoms. They can be things like thirst, dizziness, sweating, confusion, mental fog. There's a whole list. And you can go look these up um, and see what they are. And ultimately, if your blood sugar dropped too low, you would die. But here's the thing. It's almost unheard of for your blood sugar to drop too low, so low that you would die unless you're on some sort of medication. It, it is the medication, insulin and the other blood sugar lowering drugs that get people in trouble. If you are just eating poorly and starting to see signs of low blood sugar, the odds of you dying from that are really, really, really slim. But if you are on any kind of insulin or blood sugar, blood sugar lowering medication, the risk of dying from low blood sugar is real. It's very real. 
because now not only is your body releasing a bunch of insulin, you're adding insulin on top of it. And, and that's where you could actually overdose on the insulin and die from low blood sugar. So after you kind of go through that phase where your blood sugar shoots up, your body releases a bunch of insulin, you get signs of low blood sugar, hypoglycemia, after a while, your cells will become so resistant to the insulin that you will stop getting low blood sugar. This is almost where the disease becomes more dangerous. You no longer have any symptoms. Your blood sugar is staying elevated all the time, and that's when all the damage occurs because if blood sugar is elevated, then blood insulin is elevated, and that's where we're doing damage, and the damage is really bad. Uh, blindness, loss of limbs, virtually, I, I, I posted another article in Destination Health um, about, and I think it was, I think it might have been by Jason Fung as well, and I mentioned him in the last show, about all of the organs that get damaged because of insulin. I want people to go look at that. Go look mm -hmm. at what happens when you have elevated levels of sugar and insulin in your body. It, it's an eye-opener. Um, so this is when it becomes more dangerous, because now you really don't have any symptoms, and people will continue to eat this way. This is why in the last show I highly recommended getting a blood glucose meter and testing your own blood sugar so that you know. Um, so at this point, we're, we're either pre-diabetic or, or we're really heading towards full-blown type 2 diabetes. At some point, it's probably going to be diagnosed. If you're a driver, it's definitely going to be diagnosed because they're going to check for this on a DOT physical. So there's how we get to this point. The show really, though, I want it to be about how we get away from this point. So the protocols, and, and I don't want people to freak out. This is going to sound kind of complicated. Um, you don't have to memorize this. We will post this. We have a very clear um, three-page document that will help you with this. The first thing I want to say, 95% of the way you're going to fix this problem is what you put in your mouth. It is not any more complicated than that. If you only follow the dietary advice, you will fix most of this problem. We've come up with a protocol of some very targeted supplements and a food, uh, kind of a superfood, that will help even more to lower blood sugar. Now, long term, all you should really need is the diet itself. Short term, I think this supplement protocol is really going to help in a couple ways. It's going to lower your blood sugar even faster. So if you need to, and let me throw in that warning, because these protocols are so powerful at lowering blood sugar, you have got to work with your doctor. If you are on mm -hmm. any kind of diabetic medication whatsoever, you have got to work with a healthcare professional, an MD a naturopath, somebody who has medical credentials to monitor your medication while you're doing this. Because this is where the danger of low blood sugar could come in. We're gonna give you a very powerful nutritional and supplemental protocol to lower blood sugar, and the medication is going to have to be adjusted at the same time, you can't wait. But that's the good news, that's the whole point. The goal will be to get you off the medication completely. 
you just have to work with a medical professional if you were on any kind of blood sugar lowering drug. Did I make that clear enough, Kim? Yeah, yeah. That's in a, I think we need, we're going to put that on the document too, but that is huge because, yeah, that's, a, that's the next question, like what about their medication? So, yeah. Work with so, yeah. yeah. So, almost all diet. And you've, all the people who listen regularly know we talk about a ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. a low carb, high fat diet. That's what fixes this. It really is just as simple as that. If you don't put the carbohydrates in your body in the first place, you can't have elevated blood sugar. If you don't have elevated blood sugar, you won't have elevated blood insulin, and the problem starts reversing itself. It really is that easy. So there's tons of resources on the ketogenic diet, on the high-fat, low-carb diet, We've posted things. I've given out websites. Dietdoctor.com is excellent. Keto Clarity is a great book. So in this protocol, we're not going to talk a lot about the diet. We, 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 there's tons of resources for that. Just know that's what fixes this. A high-fat, low-carb, or ketogenic diet is what is going to fix this problem. Now, we've worked with, I, I've worked with biotics. I've worked with uh, a doctor, a, cup, a naturopath, a couple other NTPs to come up with this specifically for drivers to lower blood sugar even faster if they're worried about a DOT physical or they already have a limited medical card and they, they want to get back to a full medical card, this will do it. Um, all of the things we're going to recommend are available on our website. One of them isn't quite there yet, but I can tell you the product's already being shipped to us and all we have to do is get it up in the store Uh, and i'll tell you which one that is when we come back when we come back i'm going to go through the two supplement protocols and then we're going to get to your questions so stick around we'll be right back i'm kevin ruff I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we are talking about blood sugar control and lowering blood sugar specifically for drivers uh, and passing the DOT physical on this. But the ultimate goal here is just to get you a lot healthier. Uh, We don't want you to suffer all the long-term issues that come with uh, poor blood sugar control. But short-term, we do need to make sure that you keep your CDL, and people are losing it left and right over this. Um, so here are the protocols and the supplement recommendations. If you are hypoglycemic, meaning you are suffering symptoms of low blood sugar, and it doesn't mean it happens all the time, 
it will typically happen about 30 minutes to two hours after you eat a meal. You'll feel the symptoms of low blood sugar. If that's the case, or you could do it by testing your blood sugar, which is it, the best way. If you are hypoglycemic, optimal EFA, which is our uh, essential fatty acid blend, you're actually going to take two of those three times a day. Um, beta TCP or beta plus, which are um, the uh, pancreatic and gallbladder enzymes that we recommend for digestion. You're going to take two of those three times a day. Bioglycozyme. This is actually the supplement that is, I, I would go through all the stuff that's in this supplement, but it would take me an hour. This is a very, very specific formula of vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients just for this problem that this is what this supplement was designed for. So it's called bio, bioglycozyme. And again, the document has all of this in there. There are links right from each supplement for you to get them so we make it really easy. So optimal EFAs, beta TCP, bioglycozyme, and light balance. We need to keep the mineral levels consistent while you're doing this, so we recommend the light balance. And then this one, Kim, I've never talked about this before. Um, this people are going to think this is a little weird, but this is amazing stuff. There is a company, and I believe this company's in Sweden. Sweden is so far ahead of the curve on most of this stuff. I feel like moving there sometimes. Um, they call themselves the fun guys, the fun guys. Okay, fun that's, guys. Fun. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Because their whole company is founded on medicinal mushrooms. So not your average button mushrooms, shiitakes, those kind of things, but, but mushrooms that have been shown to have really potent medicinal properties. Now, these are really popular in Chinese medicine. Now, you go to a doctor of Chinese medicine, don't you? I, um, yeah, I haven't had to go back because it's kind of interesting. I can go with our supplement protocol, you know, the same that I'm, I was using with her. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, she would know all about this because this is mm -hmm. uh, this was a common practice for thousands and thousands of years. The the Chinese really believe um, in medicinal plants, and and mushrooms are incredibly powerful. So there is a very specific mushroom called a cordyceps, and it, this stuff it has to grow at certain altitudes. I mean, there's only a couple places in the world that at, you can actually grow this stuff. But the cordyceps mushroom, it has tons of medicinal properties. But one of the things, it's been proven, and this is by the medical community, it's been proven to help lower blood sugar. So this company actually takes the mushroom extract, and in, in the version I have, they mix it with some freeze-dried coffee, very high-quality coffee, by the way, um, tested for mycotoxins, kind of like Bulletproof. Um, and, and it's in a packet and all you have to do is mix it with hot water. Super easy. You don't have to, the other thing you can do, which is what I do with this, the company makes a ton of different mushroom blends, but the only one we're putting in our store right now is the cordyceps because we're specifically focusing on blood sugar. One of the easiest ways to take this is just dump the packet right into your bulletproof coffee every day. It's just a oh, little wow. more coffee. 
and the mushrooms in there. You don't even notice that it's there. Now, mm -hmm. I drink it just with hot water. I like the taste. Um, but this is a very powerful, natural, whole food supplement. This isn't a drug. It isn't a chemical. This is just a real food. It's just a food we would never get in our diet. You can't even eat these mushrooms. They have to be, you know, kind of um, turned into this powder. So that's it. Optimal EFAs, beta TCP or beta plus, bioglycozyme, light balance, and the cordyceps mushroom coffee. And we even give you the amounts on there. Um, hyperglycemia, meaning you are now showing constantly elevated blood sugar. And if you're wondering what elevated blood sugar is, if you're showing over 100 fasting, meaning you get up in the morning, you haven't eaten in eight or 10 hours, you check your blood sugar, it's consistently over 100. That's elevated. Um, if it's over 130, you're diabetic. So those are the kind of numbers. We're not talking about crazy high numbers. If you're anywhere over 100 fasting, you should be on this protocol. If you are seeing numbers like 160, 170, 180 after a meal, you should be on this protocol. That is hyperglycemia. On this one, virtually the same, optimal EFAs, beta TCP or beta plus. Instead of the bioglycozyme, we use another very, very targeted supplement just for this called Glucobalance. And it has a ton of things in it that are all designed to help every part of your blood sugar control mechanism work better. So we're not putting the sugar in because we're eating the right diet and we're supporting every part of our body to help lower that blood sugar as naturally as possible. Again, the light balance and again, uh, the mushroom coffee mix on this. So that's the protocol, diet and some very, very targeted supplements and the results can be absolutely amazing. You know, I'm very excited about this because we've been wanting to get like protocols together and I'm so grateful you did blood sugar first because with everybody calling in and getting supplements and, and just being able to talk to them, this is one of their number one things they're dealing with out there. And it's scary, you know, because it's their, you know, it's, it's, it's their livelihood and it's how they're feeling. So I, I'm very, very excited that we have this. And thank you for doing the work with us, with the other NTPs and so forth to make this happen. Absolutely. So what do you say we get to some calls? I bet we're going to have a lot of questions oh, great. today. <laughs> great. Yes. Let's go to Illinois. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? Can you? Uh, I have, well, I have several questions now listening to your very interesting show here. Uh, the bulletproof coffee, that's just something that you add to coffee that you have correct or is it special coffee well i'll clarify um the guy who started all this dave asprey which the guy's just a genius really i follow a lot of his stuff but he can be a little out there sometimes he claims that that bulletproof coffee coffee has a lot of mycotoxins in it and that interferes with some of the functions in our body and creates brain fog and some other things so he went as far as going down to south america working with a very small coffee producer and they control the coffee from start to finish and they ensure that it has almost no mycotoxins whatsoever. And he claims that that takes away some of the jitters you get from caffeine, the brain fog, some other things, and you just feel amazing. So I tried it. 
I, I went a full doing everything he said using his specific bulletproof coffee, all of his add-ins. And then I did it for a month. Then I went back off of it and just used regular coffee for a month. And then I tried it for another month. And I can honestly say I don't see a bit of difference. I, I don't. It's not that I don't believe him. It just doesn't work for me. I can use any coffee, so, and I so, feel exactly the same. So, so the oils are, are the most essential thing to put into the coffee. Correct. It's the fat the fatty, that the fatty, works. The fatty oils. Makes bulletproof. Yep. Okay, great. And uh, another a quick question is, um, so how soon can we order this? Uh, I've I considered, I mean, I, I, I just did my physical. And uh, from last year to this year, I've lost 42 pounds, which is not very impressive. I've kind of flattened oh, out. That, that's Are wildly impressive. Well, it's a whole year, though. I mean. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, How yeah. long did it take you to oh. gain those 42 pounds? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a lot longer, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and, I, I, and my doctor says I'm borderline. Diabetic, so I, I didn't know about the, the the one that would do ketones, and but I bought the Walmart one, which seems to be good. That's fine. And my blood yeah. sugar, my normal blood sugar is like one sixteen, so it's probably not good. And I've been as high it's, as when you say but normal, I, but I know I was fasting blood sugar after you haven't eaten for eight or ten hours. Uh, pretty much, yeah. About about one between okay. one twelve. 116. Okay. That that that's pre-diabetic. You're you're not full-blown type right. 2 diabetes. That's a pre-diabetic number. But it But if I did your protocol, if I go on Let's Truck website, I go to the health site, right? Well, let me uh let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll tell you exactly how we're going to do this. Cuz literally, um I I was up early early this morning trying to finish this protocol up been working on it a long time but we wanted to get it out so we're going to continue to improve this but we will have something at the end of the show today that will help you get started on this stick around we'll be right back i'm kevin Robin. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim Cockerham is with me. And uh, we're going to get back to the calls. I was talking with Jerry in Illinois. So, Jerry, yeah, we're, we're going to have a document, a PDF that you can download. Kind of gives you instructions on this. Right, Remember, right. diet is the biggest part of it. So that's really what we're focusing on. But we'll have clear instructions with links to each one of these supplements. Okay, can I get one more question in real quick, a quickie? Sure. Yeah. I did. I did. I did some uh, fermented uh, green beans. Okay. And I, I like them. I didn't add anything to it. I just did the green beans in a mason jar with with the sea salt, and it turned white and bubbly, and just like you said. And I did it for like a week and a half, and 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 uh, I 
they're they're still a little a little crispy, so I always put them in my salads. You know, when I make a salad. Yeah. Yeah, um, excellent. And uh, it's got a little pickly taste, and my wife even I think she'll even try it. Uh, Good. But I I did two jars, and I kind of forgot about the second jar. How long do that does it last in the refrigerator? Is my question. Uh, usually, when I make fermented vegetables, they last about a day and a half. But that's because I. <laughs> Um, in, in the refrigerator, months. They'll last months in the refrigerator. Oh, I, I don't, so, yeah, it's, so it's a been long, like a long, long half. So it's, in so fact, it's I know people. Okay. Oh yeah, it's still good. Absolutely, I know people who will leave them out of the refrigerator for a month, and if they don't grow well, some makes- sort of mold, then they're fine. But what tends to happen after a while is they'll get soft and a little mushy and. Um, but yeah, I know people who leave them out much, much longer and in the refrigerator, I know that I've had fermented vegetables that get stuck in the back somewhere. Cause I usually have four or five or six different jars floating around and some I buy and some I make, and I know there's some that's been back there five or six months and I'll eat them and they're just fine. Okay, good. Cause I, cause I kind of forgotten about the other one I made and, and, uh, and I'm on the road a fair amount, and I, I left uh, just this this morning, and I was getting my my meat my meats out. Um, I'm trying to just eat meat and cheese on the road. Like I quit bologna because there's there's a whole freaking paragraph of crap I can't pronounce on bologna. I found this meat that's that's really expensive. It's five dollars for a small package, but I buy two packages and it'll last me a three or four day trip. And I roll I put a piece of cheese on it, roll it up, and eat it without bread. Yeah, yeah. They, again, this is, yeah, it, this is mostly diet. Stick to the low, low-carb diet, and that will fix blood sugar issues faster than anything. But this supplement protocol, one, is going to make you feel better while you're doing it and is actually going to help a lot. Now, this isn't a protocol you have to stay on forever. You know, if you run through one round of these supplements and your blood sugar numbers are down and you're feeling good, that may be all you need. More extreme cases may, be on, may need to stay on this protocol for three to six months. Um, I don't know how long the worst case scenario might be. We might learn that as we go. Uh, let's go to California. Dina, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning, Kevin. Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, I've been in contact with Kim a little bit, and um, I finally got myself into the ketogenic diet. And my sugars went from a steady 250 to 60 to anywhere between 100 and 120. Wow. Yes. Yes. I actually not, I haven't taken any metformin for two weeks. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I know my doctor had me into a 2000 milligram a day. Wow. And um, they wanted me to continue to do that, even though my sugars are down. And when I spoke to the nutritionist um, that my doctor set me up with, she told me that my sugars at 260 were um, under control. Excellent. Which I didn't think so. <laughs> so um, well, also my husband, my husband is also diabetic, and he was taking anywhere between, I believe it was six to eight pills a day for diabetes wow. to not taking any at all. Wow. And he's already That's lost about so 50 pounds. Yeah, so I I just want to stress, because I just said this coming Mm -hmm. into this segment, this is mostly about diet. We're not here saying, look, the the supplements are going to fix you. In fact, I'll say this. 
if you keep eating the wrong diet, these supplements would be worthless. They're not going to do a thing. This is mostly about diet, and you two are absolute proof of that. We've added the supplement exactly. protocol. Because it works a little faster, and it makes you feel good while you're doing it. Exactly. You know what is really funny? Because I was the kind of person that I drank diet sodas. I had the, you know, the fake sugar and stuff like that, thinking that that was going to help me. But that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I completely cut off all types of sugars, all types of carbs. I just, it's funny because I actually had a piece of bread the other day and it actually made me sick. Yeah. I just couldn't yeah. even believe going from, I was probably, I consider myself addicted to sugar and bread because that's all I wanted to eat all the time. Mm -hmm. And right. of course, my thought was, well, I'll, I'll just take a metformin, I'll be fine. Well, no, that's not <laughs> <Right>. true. <laughs> I'm yeah, not fine. Know. So, I mean, yeah, going from, you know, from the steady sugars of 250, you know, or so to between 100 and 120, it made a big difference. And I was not a believer of the ketogenic diet. I actually thought, you know, when my husband first started, I was like, Bulletproof coffee, you know, putting fat in my coffee, <laughs> that was just disgusting. <laughs> Every time That's I saw him fixing it, I just wanted to throw it. <laughs> it was just so weird. And now it's just that even my, my youngest daughter has is, is started into the ketogenic diet. So, uh, I mean, so little great. by yeah. little. Yeah. And, Kim, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for your help oh. and your support. Because without you, I trust me, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Oh, Gina, thank you. I was just so proud of you. And, Kevin, one thing Gina had shared, and she emailed us into support, you know, and that's how Gina and I connected. And um, she was so determined. And, Gina, this is what I remember about you is your why was so big. Your, um, you know, you want your help. You want to be driving. You want to be able to ride with your husband, your, um, right. your grandbaby, and then your, your daughter that you said teenager that was having some challenge. So I, I told Kevin, I told her, I said, put those pictures up all over the place, you know, your why of why, you, you know, why you're yeah. getting started. And she is stuck with it. And you had it, you know. And it was neat because she re reached out again, you know, a couple of times, I think, at the, at the very beginning. But you just stuck with it. And I am so incredibly proud of you and grateful. I have. You brought us I up. have. And, yeah, it's made such a great difference in my life. I'm not tired all the time anymore. Um, I, I, the first couple, it's, it's a really hard diet to get into, I'll tell you that. Because I remember the first couple of weekends, um, I would sit down and cry because I wanted a soda. I wanted some tacos. I wanted some of the stuff that I but I thought, you know what, it's just going to be for a little bit. I'll get used to it. I'll get over it. And, yeah, sure enough, now almost two months into it, you know, I'm completely off my medication. And that so is, it is I, amazing. I have goosebumps. I know. I know. It, it, it is amazing. That you, I mean, you guys literally, I can tell you guys literally saved my life. Let's just put it that way because I didn't know what else to do. I was about to be put, put into extra medication for the diabetes, because for the life of me, I couldn't get my sugar down, but that's because I was eating the wrong thing. So I sat right. down, I talked to my husband about it, and he said, well, you know, why don't you just give it a try? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then, you know, you're not losing anything. And, you know, he, he's already lost about 50 pounds. He's completely off his medication. He's in a plateau right now. He's a little frustrated. He still wants to lose another, you know, five or ten pounds, and he's a little stuck, and I got stuck as well. So, so here's, I went from through, mm -hmm. here's where you should probably try this protocol. You know, you, you've mm -hmm. got 95% of the way there, which is what I said. This is mostly diet. Diet will get you, I mean, 
if you did nothing else, even if you stuck right where you were and you plateaued here, it is still a huge improvement in your health long term. But this is right. where the supplement protocol will probably get you past that plateau and get you that last little bit that you're looking for. And uh, Kim, okay. um, I, I, I've got to say, you know, I started off the prior show, I started off with a rant about all the flack I was taking on Facebook for some mm -hmm. of the advice I was giving. And I, I mm -hmm. will tell you, I would sit through and mm -hmm. look, I have a pretty thick skin. I've been doing this a long time, but I got to tell you, no matter how thick your skin gets and no matter how many times you say it doesn't bother you, it bothers me. When I read mm -hmm. comments like that, I don't like to read that you know, somebody thinks I'm hurting somebody in some way or I've sold out for some reason. I don't like reading that. You know, I, I, I d try not to let it bother me, but on some level it always does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like getting a bad review on a book. It, 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 it bothers you at some level. Mm -hmm. But I, I mm -hmm. promise you, I would sit and read mm -hmm. 1,000 negative comments just so I could hear this, this call that we just had. I know, I know. I, I am... I'm in tears. I'm beyond grateful, and I'm so glad Gina called in because um, and sharing that because others are hearing and 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 know that there's hope and and I'm just we're in this together, you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's uh, let's get to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have lots of questions, so we're going to get to as many as we can. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. So we're heading into the fourth segment, but we have a lot of questions on hold. So, Kim, uh, can you do another mm -hmm. hour today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to do another hour today. So if you're on hold, I'm looking at the questions. I'm pretty sure in the next hour we should get to them all. So stick with us. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're heading into the final segment. We have lots of questions, so we're going to get right back to them. We are off to Arkansas. Owen, welcome to the program. Hello? Owen, are you with me? Yep, it's your turn. Oh, oh okay. Wrong name. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's um, my my son's got me to listen to y'all, and I I wouldn't say anything like you were talking about on Facebook, because I think you're really y'all y'all really trying. I just don't agree with a lot of your stuff. Um, just one thing about the prostate test. Now they've come up with they don't want you to take a prostate test because it's exactly what you're saying. 
So that's the new rule they have now. <laughs> but let, let me let me address that real quick because you're right. There is what they tell us is better testing, but they've been telling us for 20 years that this testing was what we should be doing, and they were oh, wrong. Yeah. So are we sure yeah, they're right they about the new testing? I, I disagree. I, I don't want any test. I don't think prostate cancer is a big danger. I think most cancers, about 95%, are lifestyle anyway. And I think our best bet is to clean up our diet and our lifestyle and not worry about it. But you right, are no correct. But here's the, other, here's the other problem. I guarantee you I could find probably 100 newspapers around the country right now with advertisements in them for free prostate screening, and they're still using the old method. Well, that's very probable. I mean, I don't, I don't trust newspapers anyway. Um, anyway, I've been looking at, uh, oh, what's his name? Dr. Pimato, P-E-R-L-M-O-M-U-T-T-E-R, one of your doctors. Pearl Mutter. Pearl yeah. And, uh, I get all his emails and everything. But anyway, they were talking on this Alzheimer's and uh, change. They were talking about a supplement, these two uh, doctors up in, up in New England. Uh, they have a supplement that when you can't go completely on a ketogenic diet or whatever it is, you can take that and it'll force the issue. And they developed it for the military, and they've come up with a new oh, one yeah. that is just just perfect for the military because they can't eat the good stuff, but it will put you right where you're supposed to be. And I'm trying to find what the name of this stuff is. Um, I, we had an article about that. Do you remember that, Kevin? There was an article. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, too. These are what are, this is what's referred to as exogenous ketones. So it, instead of our body producing the ketones, we actually ingest the ketones. It's really still very cutting edge. There's still a lot of controversy about whether it really works or not. Um, I'm not heading in that direction. I don't I, I believe that ketones are very, very beneficial for us. No question about it. But I don't think it's the ketones themselves that are are making the biggest difference. I think the biggest difference is eating a very clean whole food diet. And what I don't want people to start doing, I don't want people to start doing with these supplements the same thing we've been doing with medicine. You know, we knew 50 years ago, if you were diabetic, you shouldn't be eating a high-carbohydrate diet. This is not new information. We knew 100 years ago that a low-carbohydrate diet fixed most childhood epilepsy. But we stopped it because they developed a drug that would do it the easy way. And that's what got us into all the trouble. And even though I'm talking today about a, a, a supplement protocol, I'm only talking very short term. And, and if you don't want to do the supplements, then don't, because the diet will be plenty. I feel the same way about the ketogenic diet. I, I don't want to see the market flooded with these exogenous ketones. And then people saying, oh, look, I don't have to eat healthy. I can just take these ketones and it'll solve all the problems. I don't want to go right. down that road. So yeah, they're out oh. there. 
I've read all the research. I'm not a fan of them. I, I will go to the point where I have recommended brain octane because it's not really a supplement. It's not an exogenous ketone. It's just an oil, a natural oil from coconuts that will help your body produce its own ketones faster. I'm okay with that. If you need a little jump start to get you into ketosis, try the brain octane. I, I, I'm, I, I don't see myself ever recommending the exogenous ketones. I mean, I think the whole point is to get your body to produce them. And, and I, I'm in a good example of this. For whatever reason, I, I probably know more about the ketogenic diet than 99% of the population. I've done so much reading on this. And for whatever reason, I have a very hard time getting into ketosis. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I stay at the bottom range. I move in and out of ketosis. And I feel like I'm getting all the health benefits. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to take a, a ketone. Um, that, that's just my opinion. There might be, might be people that say, well, I'm going to try it to get me started. That's fine. But I, I just don't see myself recommending anything other than the diet and maybe using the brain octane if you feel like you need more ketones. Right. Well, and as for diabetes, to me, I think most of the people that are correcting themselves with diabetes don't really have it. The doctor said my wife had diabetes and she almost went into the, the bottom half of the thing into the 60s because she was taking the medication and she wasn't on diabetes. I'm on di I, I have diabetes and I have went through and found what I can eat and what I can't eat. Mostly every sugar doesn't affect me in the least. Certain carbs does. And whenever I try something different, I monitor my blood sugar and if it spikes, then I never touch the stuff again. I you know, I love that. That I, I wish more people would do what you are doing. Because one of the things, we haven't talked about it in these last couple of shows, um, Kim, you and I both talk a lot about bio-individuality. Mm -hmm. Everybody different. Exactly. And, and mm -hmm. what you're saying is exactly correct. You took control of this. You figured out what works for you. That Somebody else could eat the same diet and get a different result, but you took control. That, that's really what we're recommending people do. We're trying to give them some guidelines, some education. But ultimately, what you did, monitor your blood sugar, eat something, monitor again, figure out what works. Your comment about um, whether or not somebody has diabetes is actually an interesting comment because there's the definition comes from the American Diabetes Association. It's not written in stone. They used to use different numbers, and then they lowered the numbers. Many people believe they lower the numbers just so they can tell more people that they're diabetic and sell more medicine. Um, but the whether we say you're diabetic when your fasting blood sugar is 130 or whether your A1C is a certain number, I don't think we need to focus on that at all. That's what the medical community focuses on. We're trying to get away from that. But I can tell you, if your fasting blood sugar is consistently over 100, I don't care what you call it. You've got a problem, and it needs to be fixed. So I, I agree with you. She may not have had diabetes. She, she may have been borderline. She may have been pre-diabetic. But my guess is that she had high blood sugar, and, and that's what we're trying to do, just eat a diet to fix that problem. 
Let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Bob, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. This is Bob, and thanks for taking my call. Hey, I called, uh, well, I guess it's been three weeks ago now, and uh, to refresh your memory, I became a vegetarian about 30-some years ago as a result of a couple friends getting cancer, and we kind of became health nuts, read a lot of books, ended up going on low-fat, vegetarian, um, even uh, wheatgrass and all kinds of different stuff, but uh, in the last few years, I've developed what I would call like a severe brain fog. And okay. uh, I've been to, you know, doctors and everything else. But here lately, it's actually, I think, it's kind of developed into a physical deal on my left-hand side. I started noticing where I kind of dragged my left foot. Not real bad, but just enough where I could kind of hear it. And then also right. my left hand is kind of strange to work with. So, like I said, it's been three weeks. So since then, I've been listening to you. I've cut out coffee and I've tried to drink uh, more water. Matter of fact, I'm doing what I call a bulletproof water in the morning. I'm trying okay. to stay away from the coffee just in case that's a problem. And we bought the blood sugar meter. My wife and I are running right around 100. I'm at like 98, 99 fasting. She's at like 102, eating okay. the same diet. And uh, we bought the key, the, the Ketonics uh, meter, but we haven't quite figured it out yet. But uh, we're working on that. So I just kind of wondered. I haven't really noticed. It's been three, two weeks now that I haven't had coffee. And I was just wondering what else you thought I might should be doing. Uh, you know, honestly, I wouldn't do anything else different right now. If, if you're eating closer to a ketogenic diet, you cut out some of the things. Um, let's do this for another week or so. And, and then call me back, and I will have some other recommendations right now. I just want to see what this does alone just give it a little more time stick around we'll be uh no don't we're uh, you can stick around but we have to leave we'll see you next time i'm kevin rutherford thanks everyone All right, we're going to do another hour because we have a lot of questions. So here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is here with me. And this is the show where we talk about everything health. We've been lied to, we've been marketed to, and it's killing us. And Kim and I are here to clear up the confusion and help you take control of your health. You need to become an educated consumer. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about health, fitness, nutrition, diet, exercise, training, prescription drugs, disease, lifestyle, you name it, we'll talk about it. And of course, it's still wrapped around the trucking lifestyle, doing this while you're living and working on the road. So, Kim, welcome back. Oh, glad to be here, Kevin. So the, uh, the last couple shows on Destination Health, we've been working on a, uh, a blood sugar control protocol. Now, protocol, 
really just means kind of a list of instructions. It, 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 that's the term mm -hmm. that's used in medicine or nutrition. And it just means we're going to, to help you do things step by step. So we're making it very clear in our, in our focus on this. It's almost becoming a series because now it's grown into our third show. Um, and we'll probably have more. But the goal and the focus is, one, to help people get their blood sugar under control because this problem is rampant in the country. It's getting worse every year. And it's much, much worse in the trucking industry. So our first goal is just to help people get healthier. But we've also designed a, a slightly more aggressive protocol, which includes some supplementation and some superfoods. If somebody needs to lower their blood sugar faster for, say, a DOT physical, because we're seeing drivers become either disqualified or they're getting a short-term medical card and that causes a lot of problems, um, there, there's two, I don't really like disclaimers. Um, I think we're killed with disclaimers because of all the lawyers, but, but there are two things I really want to make clear. The first one is that even though we're talking about some targeted supplementation, which we absolutely know will help, at least 95% of this is just pure diet. I mean, just eat good, real, whole food and, and watch your carbohydrate intake. And honestly, if you eat whole, real food, it becomes hard to get too many carbohydrates. I mean, if you sit around and eat sweet potatoes and bananas all day, yeah, you're going to get too many carbohydrates. But honestly, that would still be better than the standard American diet. So the real key, eat whole real food. Now, if you have a blood sugar issue, eat a high fat, low carbohydrate, moderate protein, whole food diet. And that is going to fix at least 95% of this problem. The supplements are there to kind of kickstart things, to make you feel better while you're doing it, and to lower your blood sugar a little faster, which brings me to my second caveat, which is if you are on any kind of blood sugar control medicine, you have got to work with a medical professional while you do this because this protocol is powerful. It will lower your blood sugar dramatically and quickly and if you're also taking medication, you're in danger of low blood sugar, which can kill you. So I, I'm very, very serious about this. If, if you are on any kind of blood sugar control medication at all, you need to work with a medical professional while you do this. Was I clear enough about that again? That is very clear. <laughs> Good. But that should be exciting. That should be exciting. That, that, that food alone is so powerful that you have to watch your medication. Yeah, and it's just and just to know that you can do this with diet and it's it's not, you know, we say it's simple, it's not necessarily easy all the time, but it does get easier as you go along. It's a lifestyle and you are gonna get so many other benefits. Like if I would ask Gina, you know, energy level throughout the day, just you know, um, overall better feeling and just that feeling you taking care of this yourself, you're not having to pop pills is pretty powerful. Yes, absolutely. Great stuff. So we have lots of calls. We, we didn't come anywhere near getting to all the calls over our last couple of shows. What do you say we do it now? Yeah, please. All right. Let's start off in Nevada. Mike, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Um, 
I'm pretty sure I messed up the other day, but I uh, bought me some liverwurst. And I had some liverwurst, okay. and ever since I ate that liverwurst, I had run. I read the label and all that. And I was saying, nah, I shouldn't have it, but I thought I'd be all right. But ever since I took it, I've been having problems with diarrhea. Uh, what do you do? You still have the label? Like what was in the liverwurst? Uh, I don't recall. It just showed how it was processed, and that it was processed with some type of corn, whatever. But I looked at the actual ingredients, and the ingredients looked okay. But the way it was processed was probably messed me up. Yeah, um, one of the things that that I'm really careful of. Um, you know, we talk a lot, especially in the truck, about things like beef jerky and some sausages and things like that, which all work really well keto, but they are also notoriously loaded with really bad ingredients. Like, I, I wasn't right. paying attention to uh, a breakfast sausage the other day, and I happened to look at the ingredients. It had MSG. It had corn syrup. I thought, what the hell am I doing? Why would I eat this stuff? Um, liverwurst itself. Is, is basically beef, beef liver, right. and some seasoning. And that's about it. And, and if you eat that, there's right. really nothing in. Now, let me say that I was going to say there's nothing in there that could cause you any problems, but I'm going to take that back. You're either reacting to one of the bad ingredients or you're just not digesting all the fat properly. Right. Yeah, I've, I've got to go on your site and get some of that. I also, whatever I'm sure, because I thought I was going to produce yeah. it. I've been doing the diet almost since what last a year ago, March. So I've been on for about a year and a half, and I was, you know, my A1C last time I checked it was 5.8, and that was back in March last year. So I haven't checked it since. So I've been doing a keto diet since that time. So I think I'm doing all right in that regard. I just haven't taken the time to go and get another blood test done. Yeah, um, I, I and you know what? Out. You may not even need to check A1C. I mean, it's not a bad number, but I really, really like the the monitoring your own blood glucose. The problem with A1C is sometimes, um, Kim, this is an interesting you know, little tidbit. When we talked about hypoglycemia and what happens with hypoglycemia, you eat too much sugar or carbs, your blood sugar spikes, your body releases a bunch of insulin, over responds, and you end up with low blood sugar. A1C is an average. So if you've had enough hypoglycemic episodes in that 90 days prior to getting your A1C, your A1C might look normal. Mm -hmm. That's why I highly recommend checking your own. You know, you could end up at 160 and at 60, and when we average that, you're at 120. 120 converted to A1C is not all that bad of a number. But if I look at somebody and they're fluctuating from 160 to 60, they've got a problem. Hmm. I didn't really, and I like the fact of just monitoring it. Like, um, I know his name is uh, the last caller we had that did monitoring after food just to be more proactive and aware of what you're eating. And, uh, and doing, and I think it's cool that Mike has been on this for so long, and and that's just when I saw that, just instantly thought there was something in there that his you know, his body is used to eating really well that just did not work it, well it, for him. 
Yeah, and he may be a candidate for the um, food intolerance mm-hmm. test. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. mine is on, on the desk. I got them all in, and <laughs> okay, I am getting ready, I'm getting ready to do my food intolerance test right after the show today, so I'm hoping I have my results back by next week oh, um, nice. for the show. But I did a little experiment last night, and I was really surprised. Um, I've been pretty ketogenic for a long time, but I've mentioned many times I stay at the bottom range. I don't worry about going in and out. I feel fine. I try to add as many good carbs as I can and stay at that range, but I've been pushing it a little bit, and I've been reading more and more about how starches in the diet um, can help with good gut bacteria but we have to be careful with the starches and how much. So I've been experimenting, and I found a brand of pasta, actually, um, that's made with just almond flour. There's no grains in it, no nothing. And I thought, but it's still pretty high in carbs. I mean, if you look at what they consider, the box says it's four and a half servings. That's a little bit of a stretch. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. think I would sit down and eat a half of a box, but pretty close probably a third. And if I ate a third of the box, the carbohydrate count would be up in the 40s for one oh, meal. Wow. I normally try to stay under 15. So I thought, you know what? I- I'm going to try this and I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to check my blood sugar. We'll see what happens. I was fully expecting an hour to an hour and a half after I should have been seeing blood sugar numbers probably up in the 130, 140 range. And then I was going to watch to see how my body handled it, brought it back down. But I was actually surprised by what happened. I'll tell you what that was right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. So I I, I ate the pasta. I ate a pretty big plate of it. The other thing I got to tell you, this is one of those substitutes that I actually like better than the original. This pasta, they make fettuccine, they make pizza dough, they make cookie mix. So you can make your own cookies at home. They're all grain free. There are no additives, no preservatives, all really, really clean. It's all, um, almost all almond flour. So I thought, I'm going to try it. Um, there's nothing in here that is bad for me. The only thing I'm concerned about is, is this too much of a carb load? And what kind of a response am I going to get? An hour and a half after I ate it, my blood sugar was 95 and went down from oh, wow. there. Oh, that's awesome. I was shocked. That's actually, yeah. yeah, a lot of people, that's their comfort food is pasta. And to tell you the truth, if you do the actual measurement of a serving of pasta, it's crazy how little it is. So you might have been right in line. You know, we probably, yeah. more, you know, a dish is probably four or five times as much. So that's something. Yeah. So where did you get yeah. that? Um, I actually ordered it all online and I had it shipped and it's all frozen. So they have to ship it overnight. So it's oh, fairly okay. expensive. 
Um, I ordered a lot, um, like 10 boxes. Um, I, I have seen their products in Whole Foods. I've bought their pizza okay. crust before in Whole Foods, and it's really good. Um, it, uh, Cap Capella's, I think, might be the name. I'll have to go look. Um, the other thing I did was the, the box of pasta isn't all that much, and it says four and a half servings, but I, I made it with a, it, it's a fettuccine, so I made kind of a, uh, a pesto cream sauce and uh, chicken. I had a free-range chicken that I had roasted a couple days before, so I had a bunch of leftovers from that, and a lot of broccoli. So really, I mean, you could take a big plate of the, I mean, we fed four people out of that box, and there was still some left over. And so really, I, I probably only did get one serving. Um, it was just a big plate, but a lot of it was chicken mm -hmm. and broccoli. Yeah, and right. and it was just nice having the pasta. It was kind of I haven't had pasta mm -hmm. in a year and a half, uh, yeah. so it was kind of nice. And I I was shocked at how little blood sugar response there was. Huh. Nice. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get back to the calls. Let's go to Illinois. Wayne, welcome to the program. Wayne, are you there? Uh, there you are. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, let, I just. Okay, let me get you back. There you go. Go ahead. Yeah. Big cell phone signal. Wonderful. Anyway, uh, my wife drinks the Bulletproof coffee. Loves it. My curiosity is I can't stand the taste of coffee. Any suggestions on how to jumpstart my day? Uh, tell me what kind of beverages you do like. Are there any teas you like, or how about hot chocolate? I like hot chocolate. I like uh, hot tea. Uh, I also like iced tea. Sweetened and unsweetened, although I'm trying to cut okay. out the sweet, you know, because diabetes does yeah. run in my family. The iced tea isn't going to work because of all the fat. Uh, the fat's going to turn solid in anything cold. In fact, if you even let your bulletproof coffee sit around too long, it looks pretty gross when you look in the cup. Um, what will work, though, is any kind of hot tea. You know, find a hot tea that you like and do the exact same thing. The butter, the coconut oil, and in teas, I would also use a lot of herbs. You know, I, um, one of Kim, I, I did this this morning. Um, I used to be crazy about, um, like a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte in the fall. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. those things. But they're really bad for you. I mean, yeah. those are lousy syrups and lots of sugar. And, but I, I was thinking the other day, cause I saw a commercial for it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that sounds good. Well, I found a new line of spices that are they're called primal um very very clean they're all non-gmo they're all organic they're non-irradiated um really really clean spice blends and i cleaned out my entire spice cabinet threw everything away and honestly i spent about 300 dollars. i cook a lot so i i have a whole pantry full of spices i like using so i ordered all these new and they had a fall line so one was a pumpkin spice blend, one was an apple pie spice blend, and one was ginger snap. And now what I do is I just rotate those in my Bulletproof coffee. They're just a dry oh, spice yeah. blend. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do that with teas. Teas really take spice as well. So, um, Wayne, I would, I would play around. Bulletproof cocoa 
is excellent. And, and Bulletproof, the company, we don't have this in our store yet, but we're going to get it up. They make a cocoa blend that is raw cacao, raw cacao butter, a little bit of stevia, some brain octane, and it's in a powdered form. So you could, if, if you handle dairy, you could put it in dairy, you could mix it in coconut milk, um, and you could do a bulletproof cocoa in the morning. Same thing, throw in the butter, coconut oil, the brain octane, some cinnamon, or you know, some of these false spice blends are excellent. So that, that would be a great way. Bulletproof is also coming out with a product that is really interesting. They brought it out last year, but it's never in stock. I keep waiting for them to get it back in stock. Kim, I, you may have sent this to me the first time. It's called Fat Water. Mm, no, I haven't seen that. that you? No? Okay. I must have found it when I was just doing some reading then. He, Dave Asprey, again, the Bulletproof guy, figured out a way to like micro encapsulate the fat and get it into water. So he calls it fat water and you can drink this and you're getting the same kind of fats that you would get in Bulletproof coffee, but you can drink it like water all day. I have no idea what wow. it tastes like, what it feels yeah. like. I've been waiting to try it, but every time I go look, they're out of stock. So if I ever get some, I'll let everybody know. Those are some of the alternatives. Some, you know, hot yeah, cocoa, yeah. hot chocolate, teas. You could do all of those bulletproof. Let's go to California. Kim, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kevin. Um, hey there. The, um, the TA Truck Stops carries a black chai tea. And I've used that for my bulletproof. And it's delicious. Oh, that's um, a great idea. Guy's got I, a, a really nice, strong flavor that would hold up to bulletproof well. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, I heard you one evening talking about how the keto is harder for women to lose weight because I've been on it for about five months. I've gone in and out um, for certain reasons, but um, I've been having a hard time losing weight. I don't need it for medical reasons. Um, all my levels are good, but I'm trying to do it for weight. And you said it was um, carbs, that we needed more carbs um, than previously thought, like you had more sweet potato. Could you expand more, on that a little? Yeah, I will. It, and it, it seems to be, there's not a lot of... Um, not a lot of information on this. There seems to be some controversy. Some women do just fine. Some women respond just like men. They go on the keto diet. They lose the weight. They feel great. Kim, you did that the first time, right? The, yeah, the first time before hitting 50. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And then the next time you did it, you didn't get the same mm -hmm. results. You, you struggled with mm -hmm. it more. And yeah. most of the evidence seems to point to a hormonal issue. Mm -hmm. Women are much more mm -hmm. complicated hormonally than men are. And then they go through a very powerful hormonal change late in life. So that complicates a lot of well, things. So we, we think it's hormonal, but we don't. Correct me years ago. Now that that's probably not a good thing. You know, I, I, I think our medical community has to stop yanking out body parts all the time. Um, there's got to be a better way. You yank out body parts and things stop functioning and it makes, you know, it makes this process more difficult because we don't even know really how that might have affected all your well, hormone levels. 
The day before I was going in for the hysterectomy, I went in for the hysterectomy because I got a birth control shot 17 months earlier and I couldn't stop bleeding. Mm. Now, if I were a guy and I bled for 17 months, I don't think any doctor would have allowed that. Yeah, I know. Like I said, there there are clearly times when something goes wrong and you know, you can either pull the part out or somebody dies. Well, at that point, yeah, pull the part out. We'll, we'll figure it out later. Um, but most well, of I the problem. They took my gallbladder out at the same time because right. I, and, yeah, they thought it was appendicitis the day before the hysterectomy. And so I went to the ER and they said, well, you're having a hysterectomy tomorrow. Let's just go in there now. And they, it was my gallbladder. Yeah. So, so I don't have back the to the on. back to the keto, and, and that's an issue. But we know how to fix that one. Um, what we're finding is that it seems like it's definitely hormonal balance, which is complicated. Mm-hmm. But we do know we can target two places and fix it. It's thyroid and adrenal, and women are much more sensitive to both of those. Women have more thyroid issues, and they have more adrenal issues. Could be stress. Could be all kinds of things. Um, so what we're, I'm going to get to a break. When we come back, I'll talk about what we recommend when somebody is kind of stalled on a keto diet or it's not working as well for them as it works for most people. So stick around. We'll do that right after this break. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're, uh, we're going to get right back to some phone calls. We were talking about uh, the issue with some women not getting the results out of a keto diet. We were talking to Kim in California. So, Kim, it, it's almost always one of the two. Sometimes it's a combination of both. And um, for both Kims, uh, it's funny because as I was talking about this, uh, my son Michael was sending me texts saying, thyroid, thyroid, adrenal. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm getting to it. Um, it's almost always thyroid and adrenal. And we need to address those problems first. I, I, I don't recommend going. Thyroid check. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't recommend going to a doctor to have your thyroid checked. They, they check the wrong oh. level and they interpret them very differently. It, it, it's kind of like, okay. you know, I used to say all the time about trucks, the statement I hated was it's within factory specs. I hate that statement when it comes mm-hmm. to trucks. It can be within factory specs all you want. You were the one that set the specs and it doesn't work. It's the same thing here. The medical community set the specs. 
it doesn't work. People come out showing normal levels all the time and they have thyroids that aren't working right. So don't go to the medical community for thyroid. I think they get this one all wrong. Um, I would the recommend NTP. the the NTP protocol for both thyroid and adrenal. And some of it will be diet. Okay. A lot of it's got to be lifestyle, though. This is a lifestyle issue. And there are some really good targeted supplements. Now, I'm working on protocols. You know, this series has been about blood sugar, but there is a clear protocol for both adrenal and thyroid. And we're going to put those together and we'll do a show about it. But if you can find an NTP, when we start doing our one-on-ones, which we're pretty close to, we can go through what testing you should be doing for adrenal and thyroid. And then we can recommend the diet and the supplements that will fix it. Once we fix the adrenal and the thyroid, the keto diet seems to work just fine. Awesome. All right. Thanks. And, and, and it could be that the reason women respond better to starchy carbohydrates, sweet potatoes, and some things, one, there could be some nutrients in there that are helping. And there's some belief that it's the fact that the starch is feeding good gut bacteria and the gut bacteria is helping fix the problem. We just don't have a lot of definitive proof on some of these things yet. We're kind of still guessing at some of this. But whether we know exactly why it works, it'd be nice to know, but we know that it does work. If you address the thyroid and the adrenal, the keto starts working a whole lot better. Let's go to Chicago. Steve, welcome to the program. Hello, Kim, and hello, Kevin, the human pinata. <laughs> yes. You've been catching a lot lately. You've been catching it a lot lately. I've got the human pinata. Uh, no, uh, well, look, I was uh, uh, the last few weeks, a few weeks ago, we got on, I got on the uh, hydrochloric acid, and uh, I was not able to get on it the way that you uh, say. You say, you know, take a few bites, you know, take one, take a few bites, take another, until you get to a certain point. Well, I'm 61 years old, and a a meal for me might be 12 bites. (laughs) It's not nearly what it used to be. So I could never get to a point where I felt it. So I've done a little biohacking on my own, and let me ask you if you think this worked. Um... I uh, I uh, uh, decided on an empty stomach, I will take as many as I can take before I fill it. Uh, and I, I took yep. four, and then you could feel, it wasn't painful, but you did uh, feel like just a little pressure at the sternum. Uh, yeah. Is that okay to do if you can't, you know, can't do it the way you had, had it done? Perfect. Perfect, yeah. You know, here's the okay. thing. Our okay. stomach is designed... Our stomach is designed to handle incredible amounts of stomach acid. And there's two issues about stomach acid. One is how much, the volume of it. But the other one is the pH of it. The lower the number, the more acidic it becomes. The normal range in a human body for the stomach is about 1.2 to 3. That doesn't sound like a big range. But the difference in acidity from 1.2 to 3 is incredible. I mean, it's a factor of uh, 20, I think. Um, It's big. So that tells us if you could get your stomach acid all the way down to 1.2, which is still in the acceptable range, 
your stomach will handle that just fine. It's designed for that. So, yeah, I think what you did is was perfect. To, is there a way to test? Right, right. Is there a way to test uh, stomach acid? Uh, I mean, I, I, I thought about that was something else I thought about. I knew, I knew you had mentioned a pH value, but uh, yeah, other than sticking something down the esophagus, there's no way to test it. It's, it's kind of like no, a, a, a vampire tube. Right. If they really suspect a major medical problem with stomach acid, they can test the pH level of it. But I'm not a big fan of doing it just out of curiosity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one other one other observation and a question. Uh, I'm, I've been all over the plains this week, you know, Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, back in uh, Chicago right now. Um, but this time of year, everybody's got rolled up hay everywhere because obviously getting ready to start snowing. And uh, I was just wondering, is hay a grain or is it a grass? Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, our grass fed beef in those areas would have to have some grass in the winter. Is the hay grass or is it a grain? Well, here's the interesting thing. Um, if you read the book Wheat Belly, the way he refers to what we call grains, flour, oats, those kind of things, the term he uses over and over and over and over. By the time you're done listening to the book, you're so sick of this term. He refers to them as the seeds of grasses. And that's right. what they are. Yeah. It is. So yeah. the grass yeah. is the problem. It's the fact that we eat the seeds of the grasses that are the problem. So fast-growing green grasses are exactly what we want ruminants to be eating. We don't want them to be eating the seeds of grass, which corn is actually the seed. Corn is a grass. But right. We, right. The current wheat is a grass, but we let it mature and go to seed, and we use the seed then to make flour and bread and all of those things. Um, hay, isn't hay just the leftover stalk of the, of the wheat? No. Hay is its yeah, own. I don't, I don't know. A lot of times, right. Yeah. Now, a lot of, well, a lot of times you see in a, uh, it's like a grassy field that they've cut down. So, yeah, you know, I, I read it could be either. It could be either one, I suppose, right? You know, well, the... Uh, all the people who grew up around farms are going to make fun of me now. I think I just got it backwards. So hay is its own plant. Straw is the leftover stalks from the wheat, I believe. Um, so we, when we really want the animal to be healthy, it is its healthiest when it's feeding on the green, fast-growing grass. Now, depending on where you are in the world, raising the animals, even farms that try to stay as close to grass-fed as possible will supplement with some silage throughout the winter months. And that's not, a, that's not a huge problem. That's still a much, much healthier animal than what we're getting out of the factory farms. Right, right. And I should probably find me a, uh, since I live on the coast of North Carolina, a, uh, a local farm that grass, grass feeds and grass finishes their beef to buy mine from there because we don't get a lot of snow. I imagine up in this area of the world, uh, you know, you can't get grass 
grass-fed beef in the winter because it's pretty well snowplug-covered most of the winter, and they're eating that straw, that hay, and whatever's, you know, whatever's left out of the field. So, so yeah, I'll probably need to find me uh, a good farm near me because <laughs> I have a you know, fairly temperate weather. We get grass growing in the, in the winter also, you know, uh, most of the time. So, uh, yeah. So I have to yep. do that. I was just wondering about it because you're seeing hay everywhere right now. Obviously, everybody's got rolled up because they want their uh, their cattle to be able to eat this winter. So, okay, well we enjoy the show. It was a very informative, show, informative shows today for sure. Excellent. All right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm looking at the clock. We've got another segment, but uh, we're coming up on the end of this segment. So I'm gonna take us into the break, and when we come back get to some more of your calls and questions. Last three shows have all been about blood sugar control. We have some very, very clear instructions and protocols to really lower and control blood sugar. You can go to the website, Destination Health on Audio Road. That's a Facebook page. Uh, or you can call us. Or you can send us an email. Support at letstruck.com get that document out to you. If you want to call us, 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-385. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim Cockerham's here with me, and we're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to Kentucky. Edward, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I talked to you a couple of weeks ago. I'm the guy that had the A1C of 10 two months ago. Uh, yes. I had it checked last month. It was 86 uh, I've been on the ketogenic diet now, or just really, I don't know whether you call it ketogenic. I've just tried to cut out the carbs, and that's all I've done is cut the carbs out. Had it Good. checked uh, two days ago, 6.8. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and, I'm actually, and I'm actually going to my doctor to get my DLT physical this afternoon. Oh, that is fantastic. You are like the poster child for this series. Yeah. Uh, it works. Uh, Kim asked me a question last time, and she asked me if I was having trouble sticking to the diet. I answered too quickly. I said no. Uh, I still, I'm probably still taking in too much protein and not getting enough fats. That's what uh, I'm struggling with. That's probably correct. That is the most common thing we see. Um, is people tend to overdo the protein. Before I get to that, what did you say your A1C was down to? 6.8. So I, I just want to put that into context because we tend to talk more about 
um, you know, a, a stick and checking your blood sugar levels and, and that kind of thing. And sometimes it's hard to understand the numbers. The difference between an okay. A1C of 10, at, at an A1C of 10, what that means is your blood sugar, if we stuck you in the finger several times throughout the day, your blood sugar would be around the 250 range. Just so people understand. Sometimes, but sometimes when, it would hit three. Sometimes yeah. it would hit three. I, yeah. I'm the one that would never take this serious until it would come up that time of year for me to get mm -hmm. my physical. So a couple of months mm -hmm. before I get my physical, I start checking my blood sugars, start watching my diet. Used to be as long as it didn't show up in your urine, you was fine. But now right. that they checked the A1C and that's you know they're hung up on that number, so I had to get it down. And that's about the time I started listening to you and about this ketogenic diet. So two months ago, I got the A1C test from Walmart, checked it, and it was at ten. A month yeah, ago, I, of course, you got to have official results to take to your DOT physical. So I had to go to my doctor, get an official right. blood test. The A1C was eight point six, which is still too high. They want it below eight in the state of Kentucky. So right, I stuck with the diet. I went back and had another official A1C run a couple of days ago, six point eight. Yeah, at 6.8, that means your blood sugar is now averaging about 148 instead of 250. That is a huge improvement. In fact, we know My, that, that damage starts occurring when your blood sugar is consistently over 140. At 250, you're doing all kinds of damage to your body. You are, you are like borderline almost cured. Yeah, I've done dropped one of my medicines. I'm a little hair. I, I didn't want to drop my medicine until after I got my physical in case, you know, it started spiking back up. But uh, right. my meter, my blood glucose meter shows a 14-day average, and it's down to 104 is my 14-day average. So my 30-day average is 106. Yeah, so you're still improving. That is awesome. Like I say, you're the poster yeah. child what we did the full series about i still run high when i get up of a morning mine was 134 this morning when i got up i just checked it while ago and it was at 92. as crazy as this sounds what i want you to try doing is before you go to bed i want you to eat some carbs not a lot carbs maybe my doctor said my doctor said eat protein well okay let me correct Carbs and protein or carbs and fat or carbs, fat and protein. But it, it needs to be just a little snack, nothing big, like maybe a third of an apple with some almond butter, maybe a cup of tea with a teaspoon of honey, maybe a handful of berries and some whipped cream. In, in all three of those, you're getting some carbs, some fat and some protein. That helps modulate your blood sugar overnight so that you don't get that big spike in the morning that you're seeing. Just try that and see if that works okay. for you. Okay. I've not had no trouble with low blood sugar other than one day when I skipped the meal. I ate you know, a light breakfast, and it was late that night before I ate, and it got down to 50 at one night. But I can the symptoms come on, and I, I understand the symptoms. I get right. a little shaky and, and break out in the sweat. And yep. uh, 
Well, I know, I know that. I need to get something. And, and thank you for calling back on that. Kim, isn't that awesome? It is. And I wanted to ask Edward, I wasn't, because he was the guy to remember this, but he weighed a couple months before his DOT reel in his diet. And um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's a lifestyle for him now. Um, he seems to really have embraced it and taking all the numbers and, you know, learning. So I'm hoping it's a lifestyle and he won't, um, you know, have to go back to some old ways after getting his, his DOT physical. I think it is this time. And I think they're, they're one of the reasons that it's going to be easier. You know, the problem even for diabetics is when they wanted to get their blood sugar under control, they were taking a lot of advice from groups like the ADA. Mm-hmm. And, and that yeah. advice was bad. And the advice was eat low fat. Well, if you eat low fat and you have to cut your sugar down, which you have to do, you're hungry all the time. It makes mm-hmm. you crazy to do that. And that's why people can't sustain it. And I think that now that he's seen the ketogenic diet and you can eat all the fat and you can eat some protein, most people just tell me they don't feel like they're depriving themselves. I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't tell people how happy I am eating this way. I, I'm just not mm-hmm. hungry. And when I am, I eat. If I'm hungry, I just eat and I don't worry about it. But I eat the things that I know are good for me. Good quality fats, a little bit of protein and some a ton of vegetables. And and if I'm hungry and that's the food I eat, then I eat as much as I want. Most days it's not a whole lot because I'm just not that hungry. And then once in a while I had a day like this the other day. My God, I thought I had a tapeworm. All I did all day was eat. <laughs> but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. It's okay. And, and I don't worry about it. I just figured my body knows what it's doing now. And if it's telling me I'm hungry, I need to eat. And then I thought about it. And the two or three days before that, I had been really busy and I hadn't eaten much. So it was just my body making up for the calories, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Let's squeeze one more question in here. Let's go to Indiana. Tony, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I was calling to find out about the ketogenic diet. Uh, Will your body automatically adjust to... uh, the high fat intake over the, the standard American diet? It, it might. You, um, you don't have to supplement. In fact, I recommend people try it without supplements first. And you'll kind of know if you're not digesting your fats really well. Um, one, you won't get that energy that everybody talks about from a ketogenic diet. You may feel better, but you don't get that you know crazy level of energy people talk about. Um, You might be hungry a little more often because your body isn't digesting the fat. You might end up with a little bit of diarrhea. That would be an indication you're not digesting the fat. So I tell people, try it without the supplements first. Most everybody can benefit from the gallbladder supplements. So you can try them. They're certainly not going to hurt anything. They'd help almost anybody, but not everybody needs them. So you could try it without it, see what your results are. And if you think it might help a little bit, try a bottle and see, did you feel better without them or do you notice a difference with them? And if you notice a difference with them, then keep doing them for a while. And eventually the only people that need to supplement forever are the people without a gallbladder. Everybody else, my goal would be to get them off of, um, the gallbladder supplements and just get their nutrition from whole food. The supplement just gives us a kickstart. Okay. Now you talk about raw milk. Do you have, do you have an opinion of uh, raw goat's milk over cow milk? 
I like goat's milk a lot for a lot of reasons. Um, even today, even from the very best farmers that are grass-fed, organic, raw, all of those things, the cows that they're that are available today have been crossbred many, many, many times for other things that we don't necessarily want. Whereas goats, not so much. Goats are a whole lot closer genetically to to what they've always been. So I think for that reason alone, the goat milk is a more natural source of milk. And I and there are some other reasons, protein content, fat content, enzymes, a whole bunch of differences. So when I can get raw goat milk, that's one of my favorites. And I love goat's milk cheese, goat's milk yogurt. Uh, so yeah, if I can find goat milk anything, I will go with that before cow. Uh, that's uh, going to do it. We're going to have to wrap this up. Kim, I guess we'll do it again yeah. next week. Yeah, hey, Kevin, we're making a couple changes to that protocol. We'll get it up on Destination Health, and then if anybody needs it, email us at support at lipstruck.com, and I'll email it to you. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right. Great stuff, everybody. Uh, Even with three hours, we didn't get to all the questions, but we'll do it again next week. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.